As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. Welcome back, or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss U.S. Olympic athletes, adult film stars, and sportsman drag racers. That might be a teaser. Big Jay, yeah. how are you? Well, I'm pretty good, Luke. I appreciate you asking. Um, you know, uh, uh, you, you had the intro there to the show, and you said what we sometimes discuss, and some may feel like we discuss that too often because we are going to have round two of our guess which one segment between those three categories and uh i don't want to give away the ending here but i would say that the listener needs to know up front i'd like you to lower your expectations about my performance within this competition or this contest jed's performance in the past was borderline telepathic an outlier if you will (laughs) um yeah so we'll, we'll, we'll just set the table with that. We do have some racing to talk about. Um, it is mid-January, and we had another big event uh, in Belrose, Louisiana last weekend, the Great American Stars and Stripes New Year Spectacular that was postponed two weeks held last weekend. We spend a fair amount of time talking about that. We've got the boomerang relocation of the OG Million. It is headed back to Capital City Raceway in Montgomery in 2022. We've got plenty of opinions and hot takes on that. And yes, we will play round two towards the end. So if you've got young ears listening, you can listen for the first, I don't know, 40 minutes or so. We give you warning, but we are going to play 
U.S. Olympic athlete, sportsman drag racer, adult film star. All that and more. But first, P.J. North. So, Luke, good to be back here on the show and talk some racing. We don't really have a whole lot of racing to talk about. Obviously, it's middle of January, so there's not going to be a ton of bracket racing on anyone's schedule to discuss, but uh, there was a little bit, and we're definitely going to talk about it and some other topics as well, but I guess first and foremost, everything uh, okay up your way? I mean, you guys uh, getting some pretty cold weather across that part of the country so hopefully you're okay up there it's chilly i i say that today was nice as as we record um tuesday evening um today the high was like 53 so that was by far the the highest high on the um on the extended forecast so my oldest son and i decided to take advantage of that and go play some golf that's about his favorite thing to do at this point so that was nice um uh, except well, 53 in contrast to like 22 is warm. 53 with pretty <laughs> significant winds. It was not the most pleasant day on the golf course, but it was a day on the golf course. So for those of you listening going, uh, you know, I, I'm not complaining about um, getting, a, getting eight holes in with my son this afternoon, but it's about to get real cold. So I'm not really looking forward to that. I, I'm not built for winter anymore, Jed. No, nor am I. I'm, I'm- you know, obviously, I'm uh, heavy enough to absorb a little bit of cool temperatures, but it, as you have more birthdays, it gets a little more difficult. I don't know what happens if the, the skin gets thinner, the blood, blood gets thinner, gets thinner right? you know, it, and both of them get closer to one another than they've ever been. Whatever, whatever it is, every birthday I have, I get a little colder. So I'm, uh, I'm do a you notice, this time of year for sure. Do you notice a difference with less factory insulation? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I was that guy that ran around in shorts all the time and everybody's like, aren't you cold? No, because I'm really fat. So, um, <laughs> you know, us, us really fat people don't get cold, just, you know, just kind of thick and down get cold. And now I'm just thick. So I definitely get cold and, um, you know, I, I'm around people you know like my wife that likes it just kind of really cold all the time and she keeps the house as cold as she can fans going everywhere like i'm pretty miserable this time of year inside and out <laughs> i think i don't know what it's like today because our, our buddy bones has like a real job these days but i don't get the impression that it requires like slacks but I, I don't think I had ever seen him wear long pants outside of a driving suit in my life. And his response to that was always what I expected yours to be, Jed. Like, Bones, what? It's 25 degrees. Why are you wearing shorts? If you had legs like these, you'd want to show them off too. That's what I expected <laughs> to come out of your mouth. Yeah, well, that probably when I was young, like Bones, that, that probably would have come out of my mouth. But now these are not pleasant to look at any longer. So <laughs> I uh, try to keep them covered as much as I can. But uh, no, things are things are good here. I uh, I'll apologize to the listeners. I, I don't know what I've got going on. I've never lost my voice in my life, but today might be the day. So if I sound a little crackly, uh, I'm I'm taking a note out, out of uh, a page out of your book, Jed. I'm sucking down lemons, raw lemons. That seems yeah. to help. There's something to oh, yeah. that, right? There's definitely something to it. Uh, the, the citrus uh, family 
is your friend when your voice is struggling. But Luke, I'll say when it goes, it goes. So, you know, if you if you do have to go down during the show, I will definitely pick up whatever slack is left. And uh, I don't want you to worry about that whatsoever. I don't know, Jed, given the subject matter of today's show, I don't know that I like the idea of going down, but <laughs> we'll digress. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Speaking of going down, Luke, Bell Rose, Louisiana. Down south. Yeah, that's way down, way down there in Louisiana. And uh, the great American Stars and Stripes New Year's spectacular happened over the weekend. And man, poor old. Uh, Galen and, and Britt, those guys, obviously, they scheduled this race for New Year's weekend. And uh, they had bad weather coming and decided they would go ahead and postpone the event a couple of weeks and, and move to this past weekend. As, as we talked to you, it is uh, January the 18th. But, um, you know, we saw record numbers at Bradenton at the the new year's nationals that rob reynolds and bill murray do and you know we talked a little bit about that that we know there were plenty of racers that were going to bell rose that moved over and went to bradenton and we talked about a lot of the reasoning behind it or at least what we thought was the reasoning behind it as our best educated guess and i guess the the general consensus is that both events were going to do extremely well so you, you go two weeks down the road and say, well, now nobody else is racing except for the Florida group that races pretty much year round. And now here we are in Bell Rose, and this should work out really good for uh, Britt and Galen's uh, Stars and Stripes race because people still want to race. Unfortunately, uh, the turnout was not as expected. And honestly, Luke, given the forecast and the, the challenges those guys had, with uh, the weather that came through southern Louisiana, which is not normal. It doesn't normally get cold down there, but uh, a couple of two to eight to 10 days a year. And they got one of those on Sunday after a big, long rain come through Saturday. And it, it impacted them significantly, and it didn't turn out quite like they wanted to, Luke. And I know you, you've got some thoughts about that as well. Yeah, no, tough break, I feel like, for, for Britt and Galen. Just, I think, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't, I think that that race would have been extremely successful. I know you mentioned that on New Year's. Um, and typically, <clears throat> the weather forecast in that part of the country is conducive to racing that time of year, for the most part. I mean, it's it's a little bit hit and miss, obviously, but a much better chance there than just about anywhere else outside of Bradenton, Florida, right? Um sure. Not only did they get a poor enough forecast on New Year's weekend to postpone the event, it was actually kind of similar to, to what it ended up being this past weekend in that uh, it was a forecast, heavy rain Saturday, really cold Sunday. So they decided to postpone. And, and what I think was um, the, the, the worst break, so to speak, of that from a promoter standpoint was that changed abruptly like the Tuesday of. It looked gorgeous. I'd been watching my phone for a month. We were planning on going on New Year's. 
And then we're getting things ready in the shop, maybe Tuesday afternoon to leave, you know, early Thursday morning. And I just glance at my phone. I'm, I'm actually, to be completely transparent, I'm jetting the junior dragster. Like that's, that's the, <laughs> that's my biggest reason to look at the weather. Right? <laughs> and I flip through and I'm like, oh my God, it says the Sunday high is 43. What in the world? What, what happened? Right. So they end up postponing that. <clears throat> and so I feel like that's a rarity this time of year. And then to have the postponement date fall on essentially the same forecast, I feel like that's a really bad break. And, and I'm actually, <clears throat> I was a little bit surprised that they even committed to doing it, which at some point you're just like, man, this is the second time that we're trying to do this. People are wanting to come, you know, I mean, let's, let's make the most of it, but ultimately, um, yeah, like the, the, Turnout was underwhelming. I don't know exactly where it fell, but you can do quick math. There was first or second round buybacks in the top ball class, and it was an eight round race. So that tells you that there's 64 cars or less in round three. I don't know exactly where that falls, but it can't be over a hundred um, showing up in the first place, which again, given the turnout, like I don't, it's just an interesting juxta juxtaposition, Jed, to the overwhelming turnout at Bradenton. And then nobody shows up for Bell Rose. But I, I would have to think there's probably a few variables at play, but I think weather is certainly the biggest one. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, obviously it's it's New Year's, so people have a little bit of time off of work. Uh, there's generally some extra days off of work that leads to larger crowds, which we talked about impacted Bradenton in a positive way. Um, and I, I think uh, Britt and Galen having to postpone the race New Year's was partially a product of the fact that they had gotten a ton of calls about their event. They, they knew the interest was very high and they knew the crowd was going to be big for the New Year's race. And having the large crowd, obviously with weather impacting the event, just creates challenges that makes everybody miserable. Uh, the racers included. So they made a really good call there and decided to postpone it a couple of weeks. And then I believe this one, obviously seeing a forecast that had some similar challenges in it, knowing that the crowd wouldn't be just astronomical, but still expecting it to be good. And obviously the, the combination of people not having that time off of work and uh, you know, uh, uh, those eight to, to 10, 12 hour guys away, not wanting to gamble on the forecast and deciding to skip it. And that led to a turnout that was less than what those guys desired. However, hats off to Britt and Galen. They fought very hard. They, they had the guys from mass traction there. They knew the weather was going to get cool. I think the high was about 50 degrees on Sunday. They knew that uh, they were going to have some challenges racing into the night, Sunday night, had mass traction there. I hear great things about how the, the track held up and the guys at mass traction did a phenomenal job and they paid every single penny that was on the flyer. They just doubled everything up, Luke, and put it all in the purse for Sunday and, and did everything they could to enhance the racer's experience. And by and large, everything I've read and heard was just nothing but positive and a lot of praise to those guys, the staff at No Problem down in Belrose, and certainly the folks at, uh, at Mass Traction for doing everything they could to make it uh, just a quality, enjoyable event. Yeah, 100%. And as a racer, obviously, you can't ask for more, right? Um, so kudos to those guys, 100%. 
Um, I'll say this too, just in the the thinking through the 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 turnout, and I was <clears throat> in my mind, I'm like, man, it's weird, even given the forecast that it's so light down there when when Bradenton was so big, because for <clears throat> the average market, like Bradenton's just so far away, right? I mean. Uh, and you looked at, at at that event and the snowbirds were out. I mean, it felt like we talked about it, like half the winners were from Kentucky. Well, Kentucky's not close to Bradenton, Florida. Yeah. Belrose is way closer. For, I don't care where you live in Kentucky. Belrose is closer, significantly closer. And so I thought, well, why don't, why don't they get the, the turnout? I think part of the answer lies in this. I, I, and correct me if, if, if you think I'm, I'm astray here. I feel like the local support the local racing market in <clears throat> mid to South Florida is stronger than the, the Gulf Coast. And I think anytime you schedule an event this time of year, you're somewhat dependent on making that race a success. People are going to have to travel to it due to weather, right? However, if weather is a, is a concern that's going to make that, that racer question driving six, eight, 10, 12 or more hours to get to the event. I think the local support in and around Bradenton would make the, the event not a failure. I don't know that the local support in and around Belrose, Baton Rouge area, I don't think you can say the same for it. No, I would say that is as accurate as you can possibly be. I mean, the, there's a lot of racers in Florida. They keep their equipment up ready to race year round because they basically just quit for Christmas and then everything else is, is just racing. So those guys are itching to race and the Florida guys, we know how much talent there is down there, Luke, and it, you got to travel, you got to travel to race inside of Florida sometimes. So you definitely have to travel to race outside of Florida. And those guys are itching for people to come into their state and race at their home track and them show them, you know, what's up, them compete with those good racers that travel in. So all that leads to really good crowds on a regular basis and especially around those holiday events down there. So I couldn't agree more with what you're saying. Right. Enough about the crowd. We're burying the lead. They did race Sunday in mid January for $40,000 to win on the top $15,000 to win on the bottom Let's talk about the on-track action. Yeah, Luke, it was really good. I, I found myself um, watching a ton of the Motormania TV feed that uh, that Britt and Galen supplied, along with some great sponsors. I don't remember them all. I know Jags and Larice and some others were involved, and we appreciate those folks very much for helping us have something to watch. And it was really cool uh, to watch the the – both the top and bottom bulb racers compete because the the cars were just nasty. The track was good and the racing was incredible, especially for January timeframe. And what was really cool for me to watch the top bulb winner, David Hammonds, uh, you know, an old bottom bulber, old foot brake racer that I've raced with a bunch over the years and now doing his share of both running his, um, you know, 660 s10 and doing wheelies and competing and having a good time takes it all the way to the 40k final loop and gets the win over stephen barnett both of them gulfport regulars race with galen and the, the king of the coast quite a bit 
and a couple of guys that are just quality individuals and people that you love to see win. That was really cool. David obviously got the win. I, I, I don't know his racing history very well, but I would venture to say that's probably the biggest win he's had in terms of uh, money won. So great job by David and Steven and, and everybody that finished in the late rounds and Barnett got that done and, uh, and a borrowed ride. Now it's a dragster. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't tend to give to over credit those because I think they're all the same. Now you would, you would beg to differ because you've raced quite a bit of them, but. Well, I'll um, say this. I mean, Stephen Barnett was driving Tommy Castaneda's dragster, which is a stack injected dragster. Like that's not that common. That's a different throttle feel. Like that's a, that's a little bit different operation. I'll give him some credit there. Yeah. Okay. We'll give credit there for, for winning in the, in the stacker. Uh, but, uh, but nonetheless, um, you know, that is impressive in a car that, that you don't race on a regular basis and you jump in in the middle of January and compete with these guys and go to the final. So Stephen did a great job and David did a great job. And, uh, I know, um, you know, there were some late round finishers there that, that come up a little short, but I think, uh, all in all, uh, the, the racing was extremely tight and again, the way the track held up in those cooler temperatures was cool to see. I know we talked about it uh, a little earlier that, uh, that Darian uh, Bosch was running, I don't know, 14s, 418, 419, whatever it was. And, and guys just going down lap after lap after lap and, and running the number. It was impressive. It was to, to your earlier point. Um, I, I don't know. I don't have a great explanation as to, to why I think I watched more of this live feed than I maybe watched any live feed in 2021. Maybe I'm just jonesing for it. Right. <laughs> but I was pretty locked in. And <clears throat> to your point, a, you mentioned David Hammond's doing wheelies. Obviously it was 40 degrees in Bell Rose, Bell Rose Louisiana. Everybody was doing wheelies. Like dragsters were doing wheelies. That's true. That's a really good point. There there was a lot of wheeling going on. So I'm a fan of that. I I like the wheelies. And to your point, the, the, obviously we're appreciative for everyone that makes the live feeds happen. I think it's a huge, huge part of sportsman drag racing, specifically big dollar bracket racing in this day and age. But at the same time, like we need to get more support there because I, I probably watched for three or four hours. I'm tired of the Larice, the, the Larice commercials. I'm tired of seeing Kenny Wallace. FTI, that commercial that they're running, it's like eight years old. They're talking about 2014 national champs. Paul Lee, come on, step up the program a little bit. Appreciate the support, but you know, from a viewer experience standpoint, Mosier Engineering was on there too. I think those were the four kind of on, on, on replay. But yes, uh, wheelies, wheelies were good. To, you mentioned Darian Bosch. Um, Darian was putting on a show. I don't know how many like full-fledged top dragster candidates are, are competitive on the big dollar bracket racing scene. Perhaps more would be if more tried it um, because it seems like those cars are really good. But Darian was double entered down to eight cars in the 40 grander dialed. At one point he was dialed 425 and his opponent went ready, went like 421. Then it became pretty apparent that he could go 418, 419, <laughs> but whatever it was that he was going fast and obviously somewhat repeatable. Um, and Darian had double entered at eight, ended up running himself at eight, and then lost uh, to Hammonds, I believe, in the semifinals and went 18 9 on a 19 to go down. So it wasn't the ultimate victory, 
but I was pretty impressed with Darian Bosch is obviously former top sportsman world champion, uh, but pretty impressed with that performance from a, a guy and a combination that you don't often see on the big dollar bracket tour. And I, I think it speaks to, I mean, we talked about this after Adam Russell won the million after Bo Butner won the spring fling million. I don't, I don't think that going fast, like, I mean, stupid fast is a disadvantage and, and Darian's doing it on a, 40 degree day. Um, I just, I think, I don't want to say that that's the wave of the future because obviously it's significantly more expensive to run that quick, but I don't, I, there was a time where we all felt like that was a disadvantage. Oh, like the track's not going to hold it, this and that. I, I don't think that's the case at all. No, obviously it isn't. Um, you know, you're, we're seeing that now on a regular occasion. I, I can remember the first time I saw a dial like that. It was in the other lane at South Georgia in probably 2012, 2013, somewhere along in there. And, and it was just really odd to see a car running that fast. And now it's, you know, it's not, it's certainly not commonplace, but it definitely isn't, doesn't hit the shock meter like it used to. Luke, another tidbit, interesting tidbit about uh, that that day is uh, they had kind of a, a three-man team competition going on. So you could have three people on your team, and the, obviously the best-performing team got something. They won something. I'm not sure what the, the prize was, maybe whatever they put in. But uh, both David Hammonds and Stephen Barnett, as I mentioned, Gulfport regulars, friends, know each other, race with each other. They're on the same team. So obviously – yeah, that was total domination, <laughs> and you think, well, maybe their their third member of the team, if they didn't hold up their end of the bargain, it could have cost them. Well, he did just that. Danny Paul, which is a bottom bulb racer, raced the no box class, and he was their third team member. He lost at six in no box, so it was domination by that three man group, as well as what they accomplished on the on the racetrack for themselves. They they certainly led their team to victory in each their own way. Speaking of no box, uh, the purses obviously got combined for the two days, $15,000 to win off the bottom, Big Jed. And that money went back to the state of, oh, it was Alabama, wasn't it? <laughs> of course. I mean, there were Alabama racers in it. So, yeah, I mean, obviously that came back home to Alabama. And Luke, that's an interesting story too. And I'll try not to spend too much time on it, but I, I took JJ's little S10 that we bought him. I took it to Adam Davis's house. I got there about 3.15 Saturday afternoon in Baileyton, Alabama. Now, Baileyton, Alabama is about an hour and 15 minutes northeast of Birmingham. And that's probably about eight and a half or so hours, I'm guessing, from Bell Rose, every bit of that anyway. And it's 3.15 on Saturday afternoon. I get there, Adam's got Brad Pleward's car in the front of the trailer and Brad's trailer, and Adam's is behind it. They, they're, they're loaded up and they're about to head. They said they're going to get going about four o'clock heading to Bell Rose. And he said, you know, the purse is doubled. It's going to be 15,000 on the bottom. And he said, I, uh, you know, I, I feel like I need to go down there and take a chance. And so we're going to ease on down there and take a shot at it. Now, they that's them going to get there about 1 o'clock in the morning, Luke, and then get up and race 15K. So that sounds a little crazy. Well, on top of that, Adam says, yeah, I'm been itching to race this thing. You know, I put a new motor in it, and I ain't got to make any runs. So I, 
killed the power just a little bit. He was doing really big wheelies in his beautiful uh, first gen Camaro. And when he put it together and he said, I had to power it down just a little bit because it was getting a little wild. And he said, so I'm, I'm going to go down there and just race. I've been itching to race since I hadn't got to race it at all. So, okay. So you're, you're taking, you're not only going, you're taking a brand new combination that hasn't been on the racetrack and you're going to go down there and take your shot at them. Yeah. 24 hours later. I said, well, what do you, what do you expect? I mean, what you think you're trying to go 650? He said, oh, it's going to go forties in a decent air. But he said, I, I'd figure down there in that good air, it, it should go 638. He went 636 with an eight on his first pass. And it stayed right there the entire day and night. And he comes away with a $15,000 bottom bulb win over an extremely difficult out in cool Seminole. You know how good cool is. You've seen him race for years. Um, cool lives in Louisiana. So I'm sure he was trying to keep the money there, turned her a little pink in the final and Adam coasted down to get the $15,000 payday. He was doubled at six Luke. Mm-hmm. with the with the buy run on an entry and uh adam in 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 a fashion that he doesn't or a route he doesn't typically take he had just there's no ladder so he elected to to hang back and run himself so he would just coast down there at six he would take his buy at three and he knew he was guaranteed the final to pair himself at six interesting strategy obviously a very good strategy and one that that led him to a, to a great day at the racetrack and a great payday. But, um, interesting that, that some people view that positively and some view it negatively. Luke, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Well, it's, it's really interesting retrospectively now, knowing that, that cool went red in the final, like all Adam had to do after, after obviously going through a very difficult field to be double entered at six, from that point on, all he had to do was stage three times and he's $15,000 richer, right? Not um, too bad. <laughs> I watched it happen and I was under the assumption that, that, that they were not on a ladder. And when I saw that Adam wasn't in the first pair out and I knew he was 004 the round prior, I was like, oh, he must have by, he's obviously electing to run himself. And, and that's, to my understanding, exactly the way that that played out. Um, on one hand, you make the argument, well, this ultimately, all the money's in the final. We know that. By doing that, he guarantees himself a spot in the final. So you're, you're getting a significant payday. And I don't think you can argue with that. I don't, in saying that, I'm not sure. I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I would, I would not go that route. I will say... I don't know that it would dawn on me to try just be, and, and for right, wrong or indifferent. If, if you get, when you get to that point in the race, like having been in that situation and some of them have gone well and some of them have not. Right. But when, I, when you were in that situation, you feel invincible. You haven't lost all day. I'm thinking as a racer, again, right, wrong or indifferent. Like I'm not thinking about making it to the final. I'm thinking about taking two entries to the final. And so I don't, I think his strategy is really sound. It's probably the, the smarter way to approach it, but I don't think I'd have done it. Not because I argue against it necessarily, but I just don't think it would have crossed my mind. Yeah. And I get that. I really do get that thought, but interesting here because typically it's going to be laddered in most big money 
events at, at the quarterfinals. So you lose control of, of possibly doing this. And add to that, now you've got control. You've got two entries at six where I have no idea how the money worked out, but typically that's where the discussion is going to be had about what we want to do with, with potential split. Now you control that. You don't just control... You yeah, know, when the, you make that decision, there's obviously no split to the final. So you you guarantee not only guarantee one entry in the final, but you guarantee that all of the advertised money is there. Yeah. So I, mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's a genius move on Adam's part to just take control of how that is going to work and how that is going to flow and basically just let everybody else amongst themselves until you get to the final. He and Cole are good friends, so I'm sure they worked it up a little bit, but uh, I, I think it's really genius move that he finds himself in an event where he's got two at six. He's got the buy. He's got control of everything, and he takes control of it. And Adam's not greedy. He he's going to be the better racer ninety nine percent of the time he stages, if not a hundred. And he is uh, he's a guy that just you know he's he's just having fun these days and doing his racing and he's not greedy and I've watched him be part of some splits where he just you know like whatever y'all want to do guys and I'm like Adam you you're the you know you're one of the best racers to ever do this he's like you know what I don't do this for the money I'm just having fun so I think all of that just led him to to take this route and I, to me it was a genius move on his part and certainly worked out extremely well for him. No question. I'm interesting, interested now, like <clears throat> whether you would argue for pairing yourself in that situation or not, you can obviously see the logic behind it, right? There is a clear path to, like I said, I, whether or not I would personally do it or have the, the, the forethought to do it, it's pretty brilliant. Like it's probably the, the right move, um, odds wise, financially wise, et cetera. Let's just suppose, juxtapose that. And I don't, I'm not privy to the particulars of this situation, but the top bulb category for $40,000, Darian Bosch was in a similar position, double entered, but at eight cars. So obviously there's, there's no potential buy run in the balance there. And I don't know if, because being doubled and being doubled in the, the, the type of car that Darian was doubled, like I imagine that was a struggle just to get back around to the lanes. And it may have fallen in a position where the other six cars were in the lanes ready to go for that quarterfinal round and paired up and Darian had no choice but to run himself at eight. But assuming that the lanes were staggered and that was his decision, I've the only way I think that I could justify making that decision in that moment were would be if that car completely had its tongue hanging out and like we can't continue to double at this pace, which is possible given that combination. Outside of that, like, I don't know why you would make that decision. Okay. I'm going to run myself here, advance one to the semis. Like, If you want to argue at four cars, I'm going to do that advance one to the final. I disagree, but I hear you. But to do it at eight seems odd, unless like I say, there was either no choice or it was obvious like, Hey, this thing is not going to make whatever we would need at that point, four or five more runs in the next hour. Like it's too hot. It's too tired. Whatever. Which is a likely scenario yeah maybe likely yeah yeah yeah. he's going four teens and it's at a time of the night on sunday night where everybody's ready to go they want the race over and i don't know who was holding the program up but there were some significant delays thought that too i always think that watching like from my couch and then when i'm in the race it seems like it's going way too fast so (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, you're probably right. That's probably pretty normal to, to feel that way. But again, um, maybe a decision he had to make more so than one he wanted to make. Another interesting tidbit about the bottom bulb was that Adam and Brad Plourd, as I mentioned, were in the same trailer riding down together. They got paired about middle of the race, got, got hung out on the back with their second entry and had to run one another. Adam got by Brad with that entry. Brad had one remaining at six where he did not have to run Adam and, uh, and got, uh, got come up a little short there, got beat at six cars, uh, those guys would have really had kind of a dream day riding mm-hmm. all the way down from Bailiton to, to there, but um, really good outing for everybody there involved that we're talking about. And uh, lastly, Luke, the, the junior dragsters got to pair up and race for or square up and got to race for $4,000, which is a huge uh, junior dragster purse and uh, good for Britt and Galen for, uh, again, guaranteeing that and paying those guys every penny. And uh, Kane Kern, got the win over Gavin Sharp. Uh, so big final round there is Kane Kern. Double K gets it done for 4,000. That's a wrap on uh, on the New Year's um, Stars and Stripes race from uh, the great American boys, uh, Rick Cummings and Galen Rollinson. All right, Jed, let's uh, transition over. I feel did like I say the, Rollinson? I think you did. It's Rollinson. I know that as well as I know my own name. So Galen, if you hear that. You know, just let that and get away from me. I apologize. Go ahead, Luke. I apologize to you as well. <laughs> I didn't know if I wanted. I, I feel like I'm going to um, show my ignorance and even commenting on this because at this point in my my junior dragster dad career, I am vaguely familiar with the racers in our area. You know, in in our little group, vaguely, and beyond that, uh, not so much. I know the name Kane Kern, like that's El Diablo, right? And that what the, and that what he calls his car? Oh, that's who Kane Kern is. Okay, I know the El Diablo car. Yes. Yeah, that kid's a stud. Like, yes. I, I, I don't know a whole lot about junior drag racing outside of this area. I believe he was number two in the in the drag champ top ten for that age group. I think he was in the 12, 10 to twelve age group last year, um, particularly uh, with Galen's races, King of the Coast, and that region in general. Um, I've, I've, I think I've gone on record saying I, I think Carson Weed's the next Peter Biondo. Carson Weed's, I'm biased because he beats the hell out of my son every time that they get together and he's nine. But I'm telling, like, I watched this kid win everything that there was to win at a, at a Midwest Series race, which is pretty solid competition. And it, but it wasn't the fact that he won. It wasn't the fact that he was nine and he beat, you know, 17 year olds. It was how he did it. Like, the kid was, I don't remember now because it's been a few months, but I'm telling you, he staged like nine consecutive times between 11 and 28 on the tree. He's nine. I don't know Kane Kern like I know Carson Weed, but my impression is that's a bad dude too. So if Carson Weed is the next Peter Biondo, maybe Kane Kern's the next Jeff Sarah. I I, I don't want to put high expectations on these kids, but the, the, I think they know what time it is. Either way, uh, very impressive effort. And it, that is uh, El Diablo with the claws and, and everything. That's uh, that's really cool. So Kane Kern, and that's a good name too. That's a, I mean, name. your name's Kane. That's that's kind of like wrestler, tough guy type stuff. So Kane obviously uh, holding up his end of the bargain there with a, with a name for a tough guy and he's a tough guy on the racetrack. So big win for him. And Luke, that wraps up the, the Stars and Stripes race, as I mentioned. But 
we, we got a little more to talk about in terms of bracket racing, not actually on track racing, but there was a big announcement this week or in the past week, I guess it was over the weekend, about the OG Million relocating back to what was formerly Montgomery Motorsports Park. Now it's Capital City Motorsports Park with new ownership, uh, Ben Willis doing wonderful things there. It was the home of the Great American Guaranteed Million this year. And now the OG is coming back to the gump. Luke, I know you got some thoughts about this. Yeah, this is good stuff. I the, the, Nothing like the old boomerang relocation, right? Just, just <laughs> one year removed. Uh, broad takeaway. One year at South Georgia. I don't know. I wasn't at the OG Million at South Georgia this year. You weren't there either, were you? I was not. Yeah. So for, uh, I think probably the first one that we both missed in more than a decade, right? So I can't yeah. necessarily speak to that event. I got the impression that the OG Million staff wasn't enamored with South Georgia. And I'll just say from the outside, like I may be reading this completely wrong because we know Randy fairly well. Um, I don't really know Ozzy at, at South Georgia at all. I had limited dealings with him, what I've heard, but I feel like personality wise, they're kind of wired the same way. And if I'm remotely right there, those, that, the, that type of personality doesn't mesh like that. I don't think <laughs> the thought of them working together for a decade, not likely in my mind, like they're, they're two very much, uh, alpha males, right? Yeah, A-type personality, yes. whatever you, ever how you classify them. Yeah, I think you're correct in, in both of those guys fitting that description. So I don't, I don't think it's a shock that, that they were looking elsewhere. And given the events of the last year, I don't think it's a shock at all that it goes back to Montgomery. That, that's what we'll talk more on. But before we go there, Jed, if we could just stop time and rewind, I was going to say 15 months, but I don't think we have to go back that far. One year. If we were to rewind one year, Jed, and I was to tell you the million will be back in Montgomery after the debacle that was the 2020 million in Montgomery, what kind of odds would you have given me when I said 2022, it's right back here? No chance. Oh, Luca, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not much of an <laughs> odds maker, but I'd say probably uh, 200 to one um, or maybe 500 to one, uh, but yeah, that, that was, especially you were talking about a year. I think that was still a little prior to the, the new right. ownership. So we're thinking, you know, that it, it Montgomery's going to be what Montgomery is each year and the million has left it forever. So absolutely, I would have thought there was zero chance pretty much. And with that said, I, I was thinking through this and as we've talked about before, you could host the, uh, an event like the million at several different facilities, but the options aren't as vast as you might initially think, right? You, location plays a factor. Obviously the, the shape of the facility in general plays a factor. And just the fact that you've got to have the capability to park 500 plus cars probably, right? Like that, that's a limiting factor. So there's not as many places that you could host something like this as you would think. Um, and in the past, this is going to, what I'm getting at is I, I actually think this is the perfect decision for the OG million. Like I, I think it's kind of a no brainer. And 
if you've listened to this podcast for years, you will remember me specifically. I think you to some extent as well, Jed, saying like, this race doesn't need to be at Montgomery anymore. <laughs> right? it, this race has outgrown this facility. So in the past, the argument against what was Montgomery Motorsports Park was look, the facilities falling apart. Um, obviously, that has been rectified to some degree in just a year uh, of Ben Willis and that crew taking over. They made pretty monumental improvements. And by all accounts, there's much more to come. So they've made the most of what they had, certainly. Um, I also said in the past that uh, the reason this race needs to go elsewhere is like it's just outgrown it in terms of pure physical space. Like we just are out of room, right? It is packed at Montgomery for a race of that nature. I would actually push back on that a little bit today, not because Montgomery is any bigger, like it's nicer, but the, 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 the room that you have at that facility is the room that you have, right? You can't, I don't know that it's possible to expand, but it's certainly not going to be easy to expand, but I would actually push back against that today simply because perhaps I'm wrong, but I just think given the current market and the, the level and amount of competition in big dollar bracket racing, I think it's fair to say that the, the days of a 600 plus car turnout at the OG million are in the past or, or not likely to happen in the near future. And if you have a race that's got 400, maybe 500 entries, Montgomery's awesome. It's when it gets beyond that, that you start to outrun the room. And you could probably say that about 95 plus percent of the facilities in the country. So I don't think that's the issue that it once was. And the other thing that I said years ago, that now in retrospect, and again, maybe that same level of, of competition plays into this, but I actually think I was probably just wrong on this one, saying like the location of Montgomery is not the best in terms of, and I still would argue like, dollar for dollar, if you're just location-based, I think Memphis is probably best. In its current state, Memphis isn't far from where Montgomery was two years ago. I, I think with Jeff Miles in there, I'm, I'm hopeful that that's going to get moved in the, in the proper direction. But at this point, like, I don't, I don't think Memphis is the, the facility. Um, but outside of that, like location-wise, Montgomery is, is further north, further west than South Georgia. Like South Georgia, it's, it's only three or four hours away from Montgomery, I think, as the, as the crow flies. But it just feels, no, it's further than that. Not much further than that. It's about five. Yeah, it feels like it's on the other side of the world. Like from here to go to Montgomery, okay, go to South Georgia. I'm like, oh, man, that's way down there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, but specific to, to location, there was always a part of me that says, man, could you move this thing to, to Memphis or to Bowling Green or to Indy, someplace a little bit further north? And maybe, perhaps that's my personal bias coming out. But when we take, take a step back and look at this, the market that the OJ Million caters to, Randy's market, that was George's market. That's what we've talked about before. And it is rooted very much, very deeply in the Southeast. And I'm not going to say that that crowd won't travel if you moved it north, but I think ultimately the traveling crowd that you're going to get to that race is going to come no matter where you put it. And I know in the heart of Dixie that you're going to get that core support. Like when you put all of that together, 
I think it's a no brainer. Like I, I, and it, and it seems to, to contradict what I said two years ago. Um, but I, I, th- I think this is absolutely the, the right call. I think, I think you have to go to Montgomery if you're ready for, which is bizarre to say, if, you, if I said that a year ago, you'd have never done a podcast again with me. <laughs> well, I think Luke, that it's easy to, to desire to go back to that facility from the promoter standpoint, because he sees the improvement that, that Ben Willis and his investment group is making. And not only the improvement, but the obvious um, investment in bracket racing and sports and racing like that is a I'm sure there will be other means of income, but it seems like they are very rooted in this style of racing. Definitely a good point as well. Uh, you know, Ben himself is putting on some really good races. They got a 50, a hundred and a 50 one weekend down there in April. If you don't know about that one, check it out by the way. But uh, they're, they're obviously making a huge investment in the facility. They're making upgrades on a regular basis and that's going to continue. I'm, I'm close to Ben. So I know that, uh, that the effort and intention is definitely there and uh, certainly the the financial means are there to continue improving that facility. So from Randy's and Jenny's standpoint, I think you look at the success you had there and, and no offense to Jim Howard and that group, but Jim didn't own the place, you know, he, he was just running it. So your ownership group has to be invested, not just the people working there. So you you look at the OG million and the, tremendous amount of success that event had for its 10-year stretch there when you know the facility and maybe even some of the the staff was not at its peak and you look at where this place has come from since March of 2021 to right now and what they accomplished in 2021 and what they're going to continue to accomplish it's natural to say if we did what we did when we had all these challenges around us look how great this thing can be with a, with a group of people that, that are investing in the facility and continuing to make improvements. And they're doing that, not just around the facility loop that they're pouring concrete, brand new car concrete on the track, new starting lines out in the middle where, you know, there was a little bit of an issue at times with the transition that's all fixed. Ben and his staff are working hard and they're bringing in the right people to help them. It just seems like a natural fit. And that's easy for me to say. It's hard for me to not be biased here. It's an hour and a half from where I live. I'm super excited about the OG million coming back. I wouldn't be surprised if I don't uh, get involved uh, or I wouldn't be surprised if I do get involved with, uh, with Jenny and Randy and, and, be some kind of worker there for them and try to help them as well and get to race the OG million again. So for me personally, I'm super excited. I'm excited for Ben. I'm excited for the folks and I'm excited for the racers coming home to uh, capital city motorsports park and the OG million. I think it's going to be another really good relationship for them. That's going to continue for years to come. Yeah. I see this really being long-term too, or or I could certainly envision that. And I think it's safe to say at this point, yeah, I'm pretty confident in saying that, that that facility has hosted more OG millions than any other. That that race bounced around a lot for, for the first several years of its existence, including Montgomery one, what twice early on Huntsville, Mm -hmm. a couple of years, Montgomery, a couple of years went to Atlanta. 
uh, went to Memphis for several years, obviously the, the one year that was the, uh, the poker run that ended at Muncie and then back to Montgomery for what a decade plus before the one year at South Georgia. So yeah, I think they've probably hosted at least half to this point and it wouldn't shock me now to see that being the staple event of that facility and that facility hosting the OG million for, you know, a decade to come or more. Well said. I hope that uh, comes to fruition. All right, Luke. So we've talked plenty of racing and, and some on track and off track stuff, but we want to wrap this show up with a, with a game that's been played here on the sportsman drag racing podcast before. And it got pretty good reviews overall. I think most of the listeners really enjoyed it and understood the spirit behind it. Maybe some didn't. And for those, we apologize. And and certainly if this is not your thing, might want to go ahead and flip it on off and catch us next week. But right now, Luke, we're about to play a round. Hold on, hold on. Before you even announce it, disclaimer, let's get out in front of this. If, if you're traveling in the car with your kiddos, if you've got young ears listening, now's not the time. This is the adults <laughs> only version of the show. Right? Oh my gosh, we, Luke, how did I forget that? We do this maybe once a year, right? I don't want to overdo it, but it is, I mean, we lead the show with it every week. This is, this is part of who we are, Jed. This is, yeah, like I've been looking forward to this. I think I got some good ones for you. Oh, I'm sure you do. I know I went, I'm, I'm 500 in our only competition or our only uh, contest. Which is really thus far. impressive. And I thought it was great, but that, that is not going to be good enough at this point. So I'm certainly, um, I'm certainly looking forward to attempting to better my record that I have thus far. So should we go ahead and, uh, and say what we're about to play? Absolutely. Okay. This is now a round of sportsman drag racer olympic athlete or adult film star where my good friend luke bogacki three-time world champion luke bogacki many time big buck bracket racer and just an all-around good guy is going to give me a choice he's going to give me a name and i get to try to pick whether this is a sportsman drag racer an Olympic athlete or adult film star. What you will not hear is Troy Williams Jr. Okay. I'm going to get that one. So Luke, Luke Diggs. I know in Troy. I don't know. I don't think he's been in the Olympics, but Luke Diggs very curling. Deep. Curling. <laughs> yeah. Curling some butt heavies. Uh, Luke Diggs very deep and tries to stump me if you will that's a that was a poor <laughs> poor way of wording this but he, he tries to trick me into to not being able to get the answer right and i finished 500 luke i think you had what do we have like 10 or 12 of those that go like six and six I last think time so yeah it was yeah. really really impressive yeah i think i went six and six last time in our first attempt and now he is uh he's going to uh he's going to try again how many do you have luke i have 10 names for you Ten. these are okay. these are real people all males this time around oh okay so i've okay. got to get at least five of these right to stay with my 500 record and if i go above five <laughs> i'm on the winning side of this thing um, i'm we- trying to stay the mike tomlin of 
this game that we're playing. Can we attach a, a, a wager to this to some degree? Because I don't, I think it's a statistical anomaly that you've been at 500 to this point. I, 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 I don't, agree. I don't, I don't really know what that means, but I think I understand. It. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we should have some kind of wager on this. I mean, I really don't know what we would wager, especially on the spot like this. Um, but, you know, if you come up with something or producer Mark comes up with something, you know, throw it out there. Will uh, that there's, there's something here and I'm completely dropping the ball in the moment. Will I plan big Jed. I don't want to get myself over committed here, but I plan on being at in attendance at the labor day, 100 K this labor day. Mm-hmm. We need we need to perhaps Ooh. not today, but we need to tie something. There needs to be a contest at some point between now and then that involves one of us making more of a fool of ourselves than we typically would at that event. Okay, okay? <laughs> the stakes just got very interesting here. I, I'm 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 super excited to see what we come up with as a collective group. <laughs> But I'm more excited to hear that that's even a consideration for you. So. All right, Big Jed. <clears throat> Ten names. All right. Here we go. Adult film star, sportsman drag racer, U.S. Olympic athlete, current. Name number one, Nelson Balot. I'm going to say Balot, B-E-L-O-T. Oh, Nelson Balot. I know a Balot that is a sportsman drag racer. Okay. And he, he's actually a foot brake racer as well. Um, I don't know that his name is Nelson, um, but I just don't see an adult film star coming with the name Balot. Boy, that was a terrible, uh, again, terrible choice of words. I don't see an adult film star having a name Balot. They so, can be named anything. Yeah. They mean, can be named anything, but they typically aren't. Luke. It it sounds um, what's the word there? Discriminant. Who's to say that a blot? If 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 Nelson Balot's dream in life is to become a prominent adult film star, who are you to tell him that he's not capable? I'm no one to tell him, but a producer would say, Nelson, we really got to do something with that name because we got <laughs> we got to put some bait out there for people to want to watch this. So it'd be it might be Nelson Blot, but it wouldn't be Nelson Bullot. So he's okay. not going to be an adult film star. Nelson's okay. definitely going to be an Olympic athlete or a sportsman drag racer. This is the sportsman drag racing podcast. So I feel like you're going to lead me right out of the gate with a racer, but it seems too easy. So I'm going Nelson Balot, being an Olympic athlete, Luke. You you had the right line of thinking, and you completely talked yourself out of it, Big Jed. Nelson Balot is a no-box racer at Lebanon Valley Dragway. Son of a gun. I knew it. Oh, man. I thought you were setting me up. I thought it was too easy because I know how you think, but you've changed the way you think on me like out of nowhere, and I'm going to really struggle here. All right, number two, we're 0 for 1, but that's to be expected. I mean, realistically, you've set the bar way too high. If you get a third of these, that's 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 what you're supposed to do. 
ah, you're lowering the expectations. We should never do that. We should always raise expectations. So I'm holding myself to a higher standard. Come on with it, Luke. Number two. I'm going nine for 10. Sportsman drag racer, U.S. Olympic athlete or adult film star, Thomas Kleppen. Thomas Kleppen. There's no way an adult film star is named Kleppen. Not going with the clip? <laughs> no, there's no chance of that. And there's no way you're going to bring me back to back sportsman drag racers. And I know there's a Kleppen. There's a racer. I know I've seen Kleppen as a racer, like on Facebook or something. It is, if it's, is it K-L-E-P-P-I-N? That's it. K-L-E-P-P-I-N. I know there's a sportsman drag racer named Kleppen. But that is just an odd name that I just feel like has to be an Olympic athlete this time around, Luke. I feel like this is a trick and this is an adult film star with a terrible career and a terrible name, but I'm going Olympic athlete. Come on, baby. Oh, Thomas Clep. I, I was afraid I was hitting too close to home here. Thomas Kleppen, bottom bulb competitor, Bowling Green, Kentucky. Son of a gun. I knew it. I knew I'd seen Thomas Kleppen on my Facebook. I knew he was a racer. Ted, you went many, back to back. How many Facebook friends do you have? 5,000. Been maxed out for a decade, right? Yeah, I've been maxed out a long time. Of course you've seen the name on Facebook. <laughs> what name have you not seen on Facebook? <laughs> That's a really good point. Oh, right, and so now, we're to, we're now you're start. dancing, you're bouncing around the list on me. You're not even giving them to me one through 10 like you had them. You're bouncing around the list on me to even trick me more. I've realized we're, that I've become too predictable, Jed. I'm trying, I'm trying to trick you. That's part of my game. That's part of my gig. I got a lot of work to do to go eight for 10, Luke. <laughs> Number three, oh sportsman gosh. drag racer, U.S. Olympic athlete or adult film star. Ross Wybenson. Did you just say Ross Wybenson? I, I think that's the proper pronunciation. Yeah. Ross Wybenson. Unless you just mispronounced that last name and it was like something wiping and there's no <laughs> way. There's no way a producer's went, oh, yeah, we're going to let you be Ross Wybenson. <laughs> and and the people flock to these. This they'll go to that back <laughs> section at Blockbuster, and uh, they'll be they'll be renting the crap out of your movies, bro. No way. This is absolutely an Olympic athlete, and I'm going to go on to say Wybenson was probably some kind of fencing guy or something. You know, some of those odd sports. When you, I've got a lot of thoughts on the Google machine and how it relates to to the the 10 names that i have that i have come up with for you here today but it is amazing the website that i go to for this for the u.s olympic athletes is just like a listing of the thousands of active olympic athletes there are some obscure olympic sports like far more olympic sports that i didn't realize were olympic sports than olympic sports that i'm familiar with to that point ross webenstein webenstein did not come from that list. Ross oh. Wiebenson is a racer, Cedar Falls, Iowa. Oh my gosh. I, I mean, I'm on the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast. You give me three of those in a row and I've missed all three. 
Jed, now I'm asking myself, is all 10 of them going to be sportsman drag racers? Jed, Nelson, Thomas, Ross. I don't know these people individually, but I'm going to assume that they've got families. They probably have kids. They, they got moms and dads. And here you are like, well, uh, you, haven't, you, uh, you haven't accused him of being an adult film star yet. So that's a plus. You, you've gone U.S. Olympic athlete on all of them, right? <laughs> I have gone athlete on all of them, and they were all racers. My apologies, Luke. I'll be turning in my resignation for the show well, immediately following this episode. No, no, I was going to go that direction. But, I mean, in, in, in essence, you are – it's a compliment, right? name sounds like an athlete right it's better than the alternative number four (laughs) ken crown simple enough name (laughs) there's no doubt ken crown makes his living by getting naked (laughs) and ken crown is an adult film star i haven't seen his work but i am certain that that silly name belongs to an adult film star come on crown turns it loose when the top bulb comes on at new media drag i hate you so much keep in mind i can't even explain how much i hate you right i don't know ken crown big jed like given that area he might have connections jed you just accused him of getting naked for a living well I knew Ken, in my in my silly way of justifying my answer, I knew Ken Crown liked it on top, but I didn't realize it was the top bulb. Son of a gun! Number five. <laughs> Are you giving me ten sportsman drag racers? I hate you so much right now. <laughs> Number five. Uh, <clears throat> one more. Male name for you, Big Jed. Tell me. Sportsman drag racer. U.S. Olympic athlete. Adult film star. Stephen Empt. E-M-T. Empt. <laughs> oh, there's, first of all, there's no such name. There's nobody with the last name E-M-T. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a profession. That's a, that's a skill. That's. Yeah, that's what you do for a living. So there's no way that's a real last name. Okay. Okay. But I guarantee you, Stephen Empt is not an adult film star because that name just doesn't belong in the film industry. And I feel like there's no possible way you've led this off with five sportsman drag racers. And I'm going to look like a fool if I pick sportsman drag racer and it's an Olympic athlete, which I've picked most of my picks. So for that reason, Stephen Empt is a sportsman drag racer in Kansas. Stephen Empt. U.S. Olympic athlete, wheelchair curling. I hate you so bad. I really thought that I was going to stump you on this, but I, I, I was probably overthinking this. I'm like, just because just like you, I thought, who has the last name EMT, right? Empt. 
And then I thought, oh no, that's a that's completely a play on words. Like that's a character, right? That's we're calling in the EMT for this one, right? Like I figured you would just go down yeah. that road. I thought this one's a layup. Yeah, somebody better call the doctor. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so I need stitches. <laughs> oh my god, I'm sorry so I got to the you, listeners, but, but but not in the in the the fashion that I uh, that I expected. Nonetheless, 0 for 5. So we are definitely having regression to the mean here in this, this, the let's be honest, maybe this year's version of <laughs> Forceman Drag Racer, U.S. Olympic athlete, adult film star. Number six. I got to go five for five on the backside, Luke, to even maintain my record. I think it's time to lower expectations. Yeah, maybe so. Number six. The thing is, like, you've talked yourself out of the right answer half the time. I love this. I love this. Yeah, I have done that. I've overthought it. Talon Farmer. Talon Farmer. Why do I feel like you gave me this in the last one? Talon oh, Farmer just sounds... Possible. I I didn't reference <laughs> I didn't reference the last time around. It's possible. Well, first of all, Talon Farmer is not a sportsman drag racer. Uh, Talon is definitely either a name somebody's made up or it's a name given to somebody with lots of money and, and a, a great financial history in their family. Got old money, like the grandfather's grandfather. Okay. Okay. Owned a lot of land. So there's definitely going to be an Olympic athlete or an adult film star, Talon Farmer. So there's not a lot of farmers, I don't think, that's going to have the Olympic athlete uh, type blood in them i think farmers definitely going to be a name that was put with talon by someone that just tied them together because it's got kind of some kind of weird ring to it so talon farmer is definitely a guy that makes his living naked as an adult film star <laughs> uh, i just Man. i love I love listening through the 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 thought process because I mean there are there are quote unquote country strong Olympic events right there's there's wrestling and shot put and isn't hammer throw a thing isn't that a thing right yeah but the very first thing that you said was there is no way Talon Farmer is a sportsman drag racer Talon Farmer was entered in the This Is Bracket Racing Driver Series at Big Country Raceway. Abilene, Texas. Oh my gosh. Oh, for six. <laughs> Luke, and that's five sportsman drag racers that I've missed. Why am I even on this show? <laughs> I thought you knew our market. Oh my God. I apologize to all five of you guys. I really do. Number seven. Is this the name of a sportsman drag racer, a U.S. Olympic athlete, or an adult film star? Peter North. <laughs> well, I am no expert on adult films. Okay. I'm glad I held a straight face while I said but that. But I feel like <laughs> that one, I mean, when you think about that, you, you really break that name down <laughs> into what that would mean in the adult film industry. There's no doubt that the producer already had the name way before he had the talent. And when that, when that guy walked in, when Talon Farmer walked in his office, 
<laughs> he said, I want to be in your movies. And he said, you know what? We're going to call you Peter North. <laughs> so Peter North is 100% an adult film star. Uh, that was a layup, but you finally got one. Yes. <laughs> so that was one. way too easy. <laughs> I thought it would be so easy that maybe it would lead you astray. So, <laughs> like, there's no way Luke's going to give me this kind of layup. No, that was so, a layup. The, the Googler, what I put into the Googler was richest. I'm, I'm trying to, to, to not like crash my computer in this process, right? So I, I'm, I'm hinting all around what I really want to know, right? And I'm getting search results back that are like my 40 favorite actors of all time, right? And from people that were in like Gone with the Wind, right? And I'm like, this is not what I'm after. In fact, I almost teed one up for you that I don't think ever got negative. So to that point, the Google result or the, the, the Google submission that led me to this result is 20 richest adult entertainers of today. And, and I've got pictures, thankfully they're headshots. I mean, I mean, neck up shots. <laughs> there are only two males on the list. I'll see what you did there. Yeah, right. Go ahead. Peter North, number three. Third this richest. Dude, third richest. This dude is worth $7 million. Forget naked. Wow. That's what <laughs> I said. Now, there might be somebody out there to give me $7 million to put my clothes back on, <laughs> but they dang sure ain't nobody give me $7 million to take them off. All right, Jed, riding the wave of momentum coming off. I am on North. fire. Stop, yeah. drop, and roll, Big Jed. <laughs> we're, we're weighing in at a stealth one of seven. Your eighth name. Is it a sportsman drag racer, a U.S. Olympic athlete, or an adult film star, Cam Murray? Well, Luke, unfortunately for you, Cam Murray is someone I am very familiar with. They call him Cambone. He hits the bottom and he has raced in Bristol. So you didn't do your research well enough on this one. Cam Murray's definitely a sportsman drag racer and a darn good one at that. You are correct. I'm not sure. Do you, do you have any idea where your Cam Murray's from? Cam Murray is from Connecticut. Okay, it's, it's the same guy. He was entered in the top bulb from Lebanon Valley. But yeah, okay. Shame on me. Cambone. TJ. <laughs> Ironically, had you called him Cambone. Interesting. You know, he might could have fit in either category. <laughs> <laughs> but he's definitely a sportsman drag racer. Well, seeing as he's a sportsman drag racer and a sportsman drag racer that you're familiar with, I suggest we move on. Number nine. You know what's funny list. to me, Luke? When I hear you laugh, I'm picturing producer Mark as he's muted right now. I'm just picturing him sitting there laughing his ass off. Because whatever makes you laugh makes producer Mark laugh. So I'm just, I know he's sitting right there right now having a good time. I can't wait to talk to him when we hang this up. I'm so glad you know your audience. All right. Um, number nine on our list. Only two more to go. Sportsman Draggers, U.S. Olympic athlete, adult film star, Rico Roman. Rico Roman. Oh my gosh. Rico Roman. There's no way Rico is a sportsman drag racer. Okay. You've given me what? Seven of those or six of those. I don't know. A bunch of them. 
Rico is not a sportsman drag racer. Now, Rico could definitely be like a table tennis guy in, in uh, the Olympics. He could be a uh, speed skater in the Olympics. Rico Roman definitely could have that kind of background. But come on, Luke. Rico Roman, that is some kind of Italian-looking stud that's body is manscaped to the to the tenth degree, and and he is mans. Our friends at Manscaped have taken really good care of Rico, and he's a he's probably in the top nine adult film stars in earnings, and he is definitely making his living showing off his body and his goods in the adult film industry. How dare you, Big Shed? This man is out there representing our country. Oh, my God. As a stellar athlete in something called sled hockey. What the F is sled hockey? Luke, I even said that it would have been something on the ice. I even (laughs) knew. I had it. Why didn't I stay with it? Rico Roman. Also, like, as you, as I didn't even notice it when I said it, I noticed when you said it. Like, isn't Greco Roman style rec- wrestling, isn't that a thing? Is that an Olympic sport? Yeah. yeah Rico Greco. Roman sounded like that when it rolled off your tongue. And I'm like, oh, it's too easy. Yeah. Right. Gosh, well, mighty. All that momentum that you had built up from Peter North and Cambone goes to waste there. You, you're two for nine, Big Jed. We're going into the 10th frame. Oh, look. Your final, and honestly, if you can nail this one, again, watch my choice of words. <laughs> if you can hammer this, ah, if you get this one correct, <laughs> that's 300. I mean, you should, it should be 333. If not, it's some regression to the mean, right? A lot yeah. of writing on this 10th pick. So <clears throat> when I say the name Jamal, Woolridge, Big Jed. Do you think sportsman drag race, Olympic, U.S. Olympic athlete, adult film star, Jamal Woolridge? Oh, my gosh. Luke, this is extremely difficult, but something tells me Jamal is an Olympic boxer. I don't know why, but I feel like the Woolridge, I feel like Jamal might have grown up inner city where he just learned to fight at an early age. And he, he got with the right leadership that said, let's son, let's use these skills to, to create a great path for you and your future family. And we're going to get you into boxing. And Jamal said, you know what, sir, I agree. I want to, I want to do that. I want you to teach me. And he taught him and Jamal went into Olympic boxing. <sighs> I'm ready. Jed, I cannot speak to Jamal Woolridge's upbringing or the things that led him to the walk of life that he currently has. But I can tell you where he spends his Saturday nights. Oh my gosh. He's a racer at Virginia Motorsports park, turning loose on the top. <laughs> oh my God. Did I, I didn't get any of the, yeah, I did. I got Cambone. You Luke. got Cambone. Luke, you stumped me so bad. You went heavy, heavy racer. And very little 
of anything else. And I was tricked. My mental that, game was I not thought, as powerful as I thought it was. I thought that the the funniest moments of this in the past were when you called a racer really anything else, but specifically an adult film star. So I was trying to see more of those, if I'm going to be completely <laughs> honest. I, I, I was here for the entertainment, but yeah, um, oh, this is definitely gosh. a regression to the mean, Victor. What do you have to say for yourself? I am embarrassed that I am the show of one of the top 2000 sportsman drag racing podcasts in the world. And, and I do not know my core audience any better than this. It's unacceptable. Uh, I apologize to the listeners that had to endure that segment. And, and certainly I apologize to the people's name that I failed on and, and did not put them in the right category. Um, it's it's unacceptable, Luke, and I'm ashamed of myself. I'm really upset with you more than I, I am myself. A, I put you in a bad spot. Yeah, that was trickery that. at its finest right there. That was trickery at its finest. <laughs> I mean, I got Peter North, and I got a guy that I know that I shook hands <laughs> with. I mean, that's it. That's the only ones I got. That's awful. There we go. Next time you, never mind. I was going to say something about the next time you shake that hand, but that's not fair to Cambo. <laughs> no, it is not. And uh, producer Mark even, he even let me know when I had the whole, there, no, no one would pay me 7 million to take my clothes off, but they might pay me 7 million to put them on. He, he said, he feels like with Manscaped products that, that I, I use that, there could be 7 million bucks out there for me somewhere. I mean, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, a good, good evening with the Manscaped products and put the show on the road. We should be clear about. as natural a tie-in as this is for one of our major marketing partners. We were doing this stupid bleep before Manscaped. <laughs> I think we need credit for that. That is true. That may be part of what led them to us. Um, it may very well be. Now that you say that, the dots are beginning to, to connect themselves much more clearly in my mind. I mean, they already call me Big Jed. We might would have to change my name if I go into the adult film industry. But nonetheless, I have a name, as you know, as we've discussed off air. I have a name if I ever pursue that as a means of uh, income. Um, and, um, you know, the, the guy that I know that, that listened to my, I, I, I'm trying to be careful. I was going to say spiel, but I mean, pitch, the guy that listened to my pitch <laughs> said, you know what? It's a pretty dang good name. Both of them, both names that you picked out pretty good That's names. Right. This was from the Bo Kenny story. I'd forgotten about this. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I've, I have, uh, <laughs> I've ventured into this market. Uh, very little, no pun intended, but I, you know, I have at least given it some thought with a discussion with a, with a very known, well-known, um, producer. And I ain't talking about Mark Romeo. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm about Bo Kenny. But anyway, I digress. That wraps well, us up. Like to the listeners that, that sat through the last half hour. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks yes, for indulging and, us because this is 
arguably my favorite segment of the show that we some would say we do too often i would say we don't do nearly often enough well we've we've, this is twice now and i've gotten much 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 worse in the second go around so i don't know if maybe picking up the frequency of it or if that's going to help me get better (laughs) or if it's going to make me more worser but you know maybe we should consider that who are we kidding this is a winter time thing anyway so it ain't like we got all year to do this we get we get busy talking about real racing and stuff some real hard chargers we had one race and one announcement and i think we filled 45 minutes before we even got to this there's no chance that we cover this when there's racing going on yeah it's a very good point takes too long because i overthink it and (laughs) while i'm thinking i'm talking and it all goes very goes very bad anyway luke Coming off a fun segment, never anything that that we want to to have to discuss here, but uh, certainly uh, everybody that's familiar with our good friend Jabbo, uh, Terry Forsyth, uh, that runs Holly Springs Motorsports, just an all-around good guy, uh, guys that that has committed his life to racing and running the racetrack over there. He's got a pretty serious uh, health battle on his hands. Um, he's got some serious challenges right now, and he's definitely under the physician's care under their watch 24 seven. And for everybody that knows Jabbo and that has had any kind of interaction with him, you know, what kind of guy he is. So definitely want to throw out some thoughts and prayers for him and his uh, lovely wife, Carol and their family and all the friends that are impacted by this as well. We're pulling for you, Jabbo, and definitely hope that you, you come through this real soon, my friend. And Luke, that wraps us up. This is uh, this is the end of the show, and this is where we like to go out and tell everybody, you know, that um, we would love to hear from you right there on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. Uh, tell us what you uh, what you liked about the show, what you didn't. I'm sure uh, there's going to be some discussion about parts of this show, maybe the, the the end of it, the last third of it, if you will. And um, either way, you, whether you liked it, hated it, whatever, we'd love to hear from you. We, you know, we've had uh, we've had some interaction with our fans before after that segment, and I'm sure we will again. But nonetheless, it was a good time, and we hope you enjoyed it. But whatever you did or didn't like about the show, tell us. That's the only way we know is if you tell us. So reach out to us there on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page, or send us a message. And let producer Mark interrupt that and then dress it up before he tells us what you said. And uh, tries not to hurt our feelings. Luke, <laughs> surely there's some shouts out of this episode. 100%. What would this episode be without shouts? Shouts to Rico Roman. Shouts to Greco Roman Wrestling. Shouts to our friends at FTI and your eight year old Motormania commercial. Shouts to Wheelies, Wheelies, Wheelies everywhere. Shouts to Galen Rollinson, as well as. Galen Rollison and family. Shouts to Ozzy at South Georgia. I feel like I called him out. I didn't know him. Shouts to Peter North and Talon Farmer. Shouts to Cambone Murray. Okay, yeah, that's all I got. Get well soon, Jabo. Yeah, and you should have have asked me Sportsman drag racer, U.S. Olympic athlete or adult film star, Galen Rollinson. 
And, uh, <laughs> that should have been number 10. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have known the answer to that. <laughs> I, I mean, let's, let's be frank. We love Galen. Give me that. <clears throat> give me the, the, the headshot or the upper body shot. He checks the boxes. I, I could believe if I didn't know Galen, I, I, it's an even one, two, three. Actually, Riley Sportsman Drag Racer is in the lower tier. You know, that's a really good point. He's yeah. flat billing. He's, he's muscled up. He's got the tats. He, he, he definitely plays the part. So yeah. Uh, you tell me like us, uh, Olympic is arm wrestling an Olympic thing. Probably. It seems like everything is an Olympic yeah. thing. Yeah. I could see that. I don't think I would have nailed that one. No pun intended. Hmm. All right, guys, if you like to tweet, we'd love for you to tweet at us as well. Not getting nearly enough of those. I check that every day. I'm really expecting some interaction. Somebody tweet me. Uh, Luke is at Luke Bogacki, <laughs> B-O-G-A-C-K-I. I am at JP11X. We want to hear from you as often as you would uh, indulge us. But that's the end of the show. We appreciate you listening. Hope you enjoyed it. And we'll be talking to you real soon about more Sportsman Drag Race. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss or at least reference This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th. <laughs>